It's a film with three brains. 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 Oh my god, you guys are freaks. It is now 7.06. You have exactly eight hours and 54 minutes to ponder the error of your ways. Any questions? Yeah. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? A brain, a beauty, a jock, a rebel, and a recluse. I can't believe this is really happening to me. Before this day is over, they'll break the rules. Chicks <coughs> cannot hold a smoke. That's what it is. Bear their souls. I'm a nymphomaniac. Are your parents aware of this? Take some chances. Being bad feels pretty good. Huh? And touch each other in a way they never dreamed possible. Why'd you do that? The Breakfast Club. They only met once. I don't want to be alone anymore. You don't have to be. But it changed their lives forever. I mean, I consider you guys my friends. I'm not wrong, am I? Universal Pictures presents Emilio Estevez, Paul Gleason, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy in a John Hughes film. Why are you being so nice to me? you're letting me the breakfast club hello and welcome to the film with three brains i am sean in chicago and i am cohen in maplewood new jersey and this is neo maxi zoom dweeby in san francisco nicely done it's a nice tongue twister um that is from the breakfast club 1985 coming of age comedy drama film Made almost entirely by John Hughes. He wrote, directed it, produced it. Um, it has a small cast, but a, but a strong one. Emilio Estevez, Paul Gleason, Anthony Michael Hall, Jed Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and El Shidi. Um, yeah, it's... it's. Um, I guess it's the second... Com- well, we've done a few uh, coming-of-age teen-type movies. We've done Ferris Bueller, which is right in John Hughes' um, arena. Same, similar arena. Um, we did like, well, he kind of, wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't say it's the same as that. It's not, but <laughs> I mean, it is, he we, wrote th- it, we so. think of him <laughs> for that movie. And, um, yeah. we did can't hardly wait, which was more like a graduation, silly party movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's uh, gets a little serious, um, which I, I tend to like if it's done well. And I think it is. Uh, when did you guys remember? What do you guys remember about this movie? Oh, Wherever you want to start. I mean, I feel like I've seen it so many times that it just sort of blurs. Like I don't. I mean, I'm. I would. uh, I would imagine I saw in the theater. I don't know what. What was the rating on this? R. It is R. It's R. Yeah. So I might. I might not have seen it in the theater, but I would have seen it eventually when it came out on video. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Eighty-five. When were we? Eleven. Maybe I don't know. Maybe snuck into it. This seems like the sort of movie we would have snuck into. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) If we were bold, yeah. I saw it at your house on video. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. That might have been remember. the that might have been the first time I saw it. But. Oh, was it? Okay. I do kind of remember some of the lines, you know, talking about them mm-hmm. in school and afterward. And yeah, I mean, it was a little little beyond our years, but it. Um, I think it works because kids of a lot of ages can relate to, you know, the social 
climbs and clicks and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the things that, that we worry about when we change schools or when we don't know a lot of people or you're just in a big damn school and, you know, there's a lot yeah. of people, which is, um, I forgot, like, what a big school this is. Yeah. Well, it's, I think, um, go ahead. I was going to say, I think for this one, it, um, it actually feels more real than a lot of the uh, school, teenage, uh, high school movies that we'd see when we were in the 1980s, because they were always shot in some, like, sprawling campus in <laughs> Southern California, where you're, like, they have yeah. multiple buildings, they're right. outside, and they're yeah. they're driving cars that are way nicer than anybody mm-hmm. owns, and, yeah. you know, like, all of that, and, and um, this seemed like, oh, it's a normal school, in a mm-hmm. sense, you know, it's just, you know, I mean, I, obviously, the when they get dropped off, you can, they set up, you know, they're coming from, you know, different income brackets, but, um, Mm -hmm. it felt way more like a relatable school than any of the others, you know, even Ferris Bueller. I agree. It was an, uh, a school that's no longer there called Maine North high school. And, um, (laughs) The, the architecture is described as brutalist, which, <laughs> which is funny. Um, yeah, it has the look of a prison a little bit. You know, at least the front does. Yeah. I know they used um, another school, uh, whatever. I uh, used a couple schools, but that was the opening. And um, what was funny about it is I looked up where that building is. It's like a government building now for all sorts of, you know, whatever. It's government. And it's like a walking distance from where I used to live. So... Believe it or not, uh, listeners, I there was a time before I knew the brains, and I lived in the Chicago area, in the suburbs, and I was I was like, whoa, I could have walked to this place, but it closed in '81, so I wouldn't have gone to the high school if I had stayed around. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's um, you know, as with most John Hughes movies, his sensibility is the suburbs. You know, it's not yeah, you know, it's not inner city. It's not like it does. You know, it knows it knows itself here. You know, he knows his what he wants to do. And it's, it's these kids that are kind of in between. And of course there are <laughs> much more uh, diverse po- student populations in all of these schools. And I, that st- stands out when I watch it these days, like, um, okay, we have no people of color. We have, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody but cisgender people, you know, it's, but I, st- I don't think that, first of all, I don't think it's uh, purposeful and I don't think it misses a whole lot. I think yeah, you could do a remake now and add stuff, mm-hmm. but there'd be trade-offs, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... And I'm not... Well, yeah, I'm not, Well, go ahead. Going back to the analogy to our own school, that <laughs> just fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We, we were the in the suburbs. The diversity that exists today does not, did not exist in middle America in the 1980s. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm also like, you know, thinking about like whether, whether he should be a wrestler versus a basketball player, football player. Well, I think in the, when he was originally conceiving, he, he originally conceived it as a football player, but then he decided that was a little too trite, mm-hmm. a little too done before. And then he, you know, switched it ever so slightly to wrestling. Which, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, it fits Emilio. It's, fine. Yeah, it's I think, fine. Yeah. You know, he's short and stocky mm-hmm. like a wrestler. 
before we get too into it, Sean, you want to give us a synopsis? A synopsis. Okay, so in this mythical school, or whatever, imaginary, imaginary school, they have all Fictional. day detention. Fictional, thank you. All day <laughs> detentions on Saturday. Um, eight plus, like, what is it? Eight hours, is it? No. It's nine, nine hours. Nine. Because he yeah. says, yeah, you have eight hours and 56 minutes. Right. Yeah. Which is insane for anybody. Like, yeah. I don't that's, know how to. That's pretty crazy. Whatever happened to an hour after school or whatever? <laughs> I remember kind of being aware of that when, I, when we were kids. And I was like, holy shit, they're going to make us go to detention all day? <laughs> Um, the only, my only experience with detention, uh, stop me if you remember this, was, <laughs> I want to say like a, a, an English class, seventh grade-ish, and you were in the front, and I walked up, <laughs> Cohen, I walked up and put a piece of lint on you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Do you remember what you did? <laughs> I think I whacked you in the nerds or something. No, you just kind of casually walked toward me and it just slapped, slapped me across the chops. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, not hard. It wasn't, you know, like we were friends. It was not like a... Like a slap? A mean... <laughs> like, a, I mean, it was slap adjacent. Let's put it that way. Okay. It was enough to make a sound, which I think was what you were going for. Because you laughed and laughed too, <laughs> I think. And I was like, uh-oh. What the hell? And then... <clears throat> Before I could even make sense of it, then they were already telling me, I think. I don't know. No, no. I think you got in trouble, too, because you had to miss a basketball game. That sounds I think. familiar, yeah. Anyway, so I vaguely re- remember going to the library and serving a couple-hour detention, maybe. Right, I yeah. I forgot but, about that. Yeah. I mean, in high school, I didn't really have, have that sort of thing, except for maybe just being late to school, which I was definitely doing. I don't think I ever got a detention in high school. I think that was the only yeah. time, really, in grade school. And I remember being, I remember being terrified to tell my dad. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. He was like, he, he, he said something along the lines of, well, so you got a detention? Yeah. So they punished you? Yeah. So then I, why would I punish you again? I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> See you. It sounds just like your dad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, I like. I, I mean, I'm sure at the time I was like, "What? So what? What's happening? Like, what's what, what's happens next? Am I like, are you punish me or not?" <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, I don't, and I, I think these characters are, except for Bender, uh, the same way. They're not. They're I'm not sure why they're there. Um, they don't, especially Brian doesn't know. You know, has no business being there. He thinks. Um. Which I think makes it more interesting, of course. It's mm-hmm. I assume they're the same grade level. Sorry, I'm still doing the synopsis, aren't I? Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, all day detention. Uh, Richard Werner is overseeing this, and he's a hardliner who gets into it with Bender because they have history already. And over the course of the day, they start they start kind of um, intertwining their goals. You know, first they want nothing to do with Bender and. and Everybody's kind of doing their own thing, and then slowly they they start, you know, sort of covering for each other or sneaking out together. Mm-hmm. And um, by the end, they're spilling their guts, um, which is, you know, more or less organic. I don't, I don't have any real issue with how it's all laid out. It's it's pretty yeah. pretty tidy. I just to jump in real quick, you reminded me of something. Um, like I remember all the jokes. 
and I remember most of the dramatic elements. But the one thing I forgot about this movie, watching it again, is how well done it is in terms of showing the subtle ways they stick together even early on Mm -hmm. when they're faced with a common adversary. And then throughout the film, slowly seeing them start to like to, and it starts early on, you know, like when they go to get Bender's weed and, and, and (laughs) Anthony Michael Hall's like, why are we doing this? He's like, I don't know. Or he's like, where are we going? I don't know. Why are we doing it? I don't know. So why, you know, so what, and he's like, if you ask me one more question, I'm beating the shit out of you, you know, but he's just like going along with it. He has probably more to lose than anyone. He's just going along with it, you know? So like, anyway, so that sort of element of it, I kind of forgot about how they slowly sort of, you know, they start out kind of sticking together and then it gets stronger and like this bond forms. Yeah. And, And I thought it was really well done. And it was pretty subtle for the most part until, you know, Mm -hmm. it gets a little less subtle later. But early on, there's like these really great beats here and there where they're just like, yeah, they're kids sticking together against a common foe, you know, the teacher or the vice principal or whatever the hell he is. I don't even know. The subtle reaction shots when Bender does something or, you know. Yeah. I think (laughs) it's, it's, oh, uh, go ahead. No, you go. Okay. I'll go. I think it's more than that. Um, I mean, it's what you're what you said plus plus some to define more than that. Um, mm-hmm. I watched this movie twice, which is probably only the second time I watched a movie twice before we reviewed it. Um, oh, well, yeah, wow. yeah. That and that can't be. <laughs> that can't no, be because we. Us, I mean, maybe like movies... in, the, in like in the last seven days, I've watched this movie oh, twice. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, no, I mean, I saw it, you know, when we were kids and. And I don't re- like. I remember liking parts of it and all that, but what I didn't, un- I the second time through, I started watching it for just kind of how things come together. Because there's mm-hmm. parts of the movie that I don't think that could be better, but there's a lot of it that really works. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I didn't realize until the second time watching it is how, in some ways, that at least one person treats the other how they're used to being treated by their parents or other people. Mm -hmm. And then later someone else decides not to like the, the, like the Emilio Estevez telling Jed Nelson, like, Hey, you're worthless. You know, Mm -hmm. no one would care if you never come to school is exactly what, how he says his dad treats him, like how he feels at home. Right. And then later they actually come around and listen to him. And same with the the girl, Ali Sheedy. They ignore her completely. She's used to being ignored at home. They don't, you know, and it's not till Emilio Estevez talks to her and treats, like, you know, sees her as a person, you know, that that, and for each of them, it changes like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. they have the, this thing. And I thought, this is, it's really cool because you see how, you know, his whole, um, uh, uh, Brian's uh, uh, paper at the end, which they say, you know, they say the one quote from the beginning that, you know, mm-hmm. he says, you see us as you want to see us, but they actually saw each other the same way and treated right. each mm-hmm. other the same way and, and it evolved. Right. And I didn't really pick that up. Like he says that in the opening monologue, he says, that's the way before, you know, eight o'clock this morning, that's the way we saw each other. We were brainwashed. Yeah. yeah. And it's in you, but you see it and you, Mm-hmm. He does it so artfully, yeah. You know, it 
it's it seems so natural and so easy for them to do and then you know come out come out of it and and change and then still acknowledge that you know later in their really honest moment like but does that really mean they're friends you know right it's, so yeah i really i really uh enjoyed trying to pick this movie apart as to like what makes it work and and that was one of the things that just just really stood out the second watching yeah it's also really fucking funny it is like i i hadn't seen it in a while and i've always remembered it being funny but oh my god it it really like the humor of it really holds up there's some (laughs) laugh out loud funny shit in it it just kills me (laughs) when you were saying about andrew not thinking for himself and and she allison calls him out she doesn't think for himself he's she's he's like she's right yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 so so last time um sam you were starting to say well we're all all alike and the reason i think i'm pushing back on that is because we're not it's not supposed to be we're all the same we're all in the same boat blah 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 kumbaya kind of stuff it's more like perception like what we've just been talking about like the Mm -hmm. way we see each other the way we only see our perspective especially when we're young you know we we're teenagers teenagers are dramatic because they suddenly have all these feelings and and hormones and stuff and they have no idea what to do with it yeah um you know generalizing of course but but that's what's really interesting about it is that you still you still know right right from wrong and you know you know when you're going too far you know, when he tapes, tapes the kids' buns together, he knows yeah. he's going too far, you know, sure. stuff like that. Yeah. You know what's, you just reminded me, it's sort of a tangent. We know exactly why, well, we don't really know why Bender is there specifically, or do we? Oh, no, we do. We do, they say. We don't fire, know why Molly fire, Ringwald yeah. is there. Uh, yeah, she, she ditched does. class. She went, she is that it? She ditched class and went shopping. Yeah, she told her dad when she was oh, in the BMW. Oh, right. Okay, never yeah. mind. Because I remember when I was watching it, I'm like, wait a minute, why is Molly Ringwald there? They don't really say. But you're right. They say in the car in the beginning. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, though, the um, the the opening scenes where they all like arrive is so is so fucking efficient. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's like there's no there's not a wasted second. I mean that's the whole movie is very efficient. You know, like not, nothing's extraneous. But the opening scenes where the kids are dropped off, it's, it's, it like sets the tone for each one of them so fucking well. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Five it's minutes, just, you got it. And, and yeah. the, the one car especially, driving especially away. Especially Ali Sheedy that kills me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she, like, she, she, like, she tries to look in the window and they take off. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Judd Nelson just walks up alone. Yeah. And then almost gets ran over. Yeah, and almost gets yeah. run over. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like even where they sit down, you know, but he, um, Brian is there early and Bender mm-hmm. wants the, the seat. He wants his seat, so he just motions, like, move, mm-hmm. and Brian moves. Yeah. So, like, that's established right away. Yeah, Molly Ringwald and, and uh, Emilio Estes sit next to each other. Mm-hmm. And then Ali Sheedy sits all the way in the back alone. I think um, it's interesting that Molly Ringwald, I think, wanted to be the Allison character. Yeah. And and, and Emilio Estevez originally was supposed to be the Bender character, I think, or, or was they were yeah. talking about it. That sounds right. 
because he had done that sort of thing before with Repo Man and Outsiders and stuff. <laughs> Nicholas Cage was considered for John Bender. And then, I think the, I think what I read was the 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 only other actor who was really close to getting it was um, John Cusack. Right. And then ultimately, at the last minute, John Hughes decided he was too nice. Yeah. Honestly, I I've, I, I, yeah. I love John Cusack. I don't I don't see him as the Bender role at all. Not really. Like I think he could do it and it'd be fine. But I don't know. There's just something about Judd Nelson. Like his his stamp on that role is so. It, it's just I don't know. He's just so perfect. Yeah. Yeah, apparently he was doing a bit of method acting and staying in, in character and harassing Molly Ringwald. Do you guys read that one? Yeah. Um, and I I guess Paul Gleason, Dick Verner, his nemesis, mm. was the one who kind of went to bat for Judd Nelson and said, like, he's a good actor. Oh, right. Yeah, you I know. read that too. Like, John Hughes didn't like Judd Nelson, didn't like his antics and bullshit and was going to fire him. Mm-hmm. And Paul Gleason's like, you can't fire him. He's great. Yeah, really it's is. interesting yeah. too because as it is evolved, you know, John Hughes later gave him the ability to ad lib. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 neo maxi zoomed weebie was was ad libbed. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, the iconic uh, you know throwing his fist up in the air at the end um, yeah. was ad libbed. You know, it's 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 pretty cool to see that you know you. you at first, you're hesitant about someone, then they realize that they make the movie if you, yeah. if you let them. Yeah. Yep, I think it's. I, I it would. Do you think that the the big reveal, the emotional, you know, stuff at the end was all ad libbed? I mean, it. it somewhere no, it said like, I oh, like this scene was ad libbed. Like he let. Yeah. They must I have mean, had. A, they must have had an idea what they were gonna say. Like I'm yeah, sure. I think. It, you know. I think when it comes to like. I, I would imagine, I mean, I can't say for sure, but I'm just guessing that when it comes to like a very emotional scene where a character has to sort of break down or an actor has to sort of break down and his character has to, you know, like really sort of tear out their heart. Um, I would imagine it helps to have some sort of game plan, you know, mm-hmm. going in, going in, you know, it might evolve, you know, as you're doing it and like ad lib and whatever and just go with it. But I'd imagine you kind of have, you want to have some uh, like a like a framework to work with. Mm-hmm. I would guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an actor, but it seems somewhere like it. somewhere it said that Hughes would be fine with just rewriting the script on the fly. Yeah. So I wonder if they did a take or two of the of that scene or started started that scene. You know, somebody had an idea and then he pencils it in, and then it becomes the script. You know, I don't know how it works, but it's clear that he is comfortable with collaboration and trust his actors yeah even you know i don't know what are their actual ages i mean of course judd nelson looks pretty old but judd nelson was in his early 20s so was Emilio Estevez. yeah uh anthony michael hall i think was 16 so was molly ringwald i think they're both 16 well i actually i actually saw anthony michael on a on a like a like a podcast recently like a it was a video of the podcast or whatever the hell you call that. And he was talking about this movie in particular and he was saying how him and Molly Ringwald, you know, were still in, like they had to do homework and shit after shooting both hmm. of them. And then Judd Nelson and Emilio Estes would go out to the bars and shit after and have drinks and hang out. Um, <laughs> but he also talked about how, you know, him and Molly Ringwald and, and um, John Hughes were like best friends. 
He's like, yeah, it's a little. I guess, I guess it would be considered a little strange since we were teenagers and he was an adult. But he's like, at the time, it didn't seem weird at all. We were just really tight. We we're just good friends. We hung out. We enjoyed each other's company, and we made movies together. And it was great. And then right. you know, that uh, that sort of fell apart later after a few movies. And and um, John Hughes wrote Ferris Bueller's Day Off for Anthony Michael Hall, and uh, Anthony Michael Hall turned it down didn't want to do it and then he had also written the the ducky roll and pretty in pink for anthony michael hall and again he didn't want to do it and he had written um some kind of wonderful for molly ringwald and she didn't want to do it like at the same sort of around the same time anthony michael hall and, and molly ringwald after making all these movies with john hughes decided they didn't want to be sort of typecast or they just want to try something different you know and they sure. were young and this is all they had ever done really and john hughes took it terribly personally and uh, it just sort of broke his heart. And uh, after those couple of movies, he he didn't he didn't really make that kind of movie anymore. And he never spoke to them again, according to Michael Anthony Michael Hall. He said he said John Hughes just basically like ended their friendship. Wow, you know, That's like rough. it 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 like destroyed them. It destroyed him. Them like rejecting him for the these movies and stuff so much so that he stopped making them he only after that he just made movies he wrote movies for little kids you know that were about little kids after that wow which is crazy including home alone yeah well i mean the guy can write a movie it's just you kind of wonder what else he would have done but uh yeah i think michael hall thought that like they were sort of his muse and once they rejected him, you know, and it wasn't done nefariously, it wasn't malicious. They just, you know, they wanted to do something different. Yeah. And he just, he, he just took it too personally and it just kind of like sort of, end, it just sort of ended his interest in that genre. That's bizarre. It's really so, weird. It's so interesting. She was 16 and she had just done Pretty in Pink. So I think Pretty in Pink came after. Was it after? 16 Candles was, uh. Well, I, don't know, I, I, I can't remember what the, 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 the chronology is. I think 16 Candles was before oh, right. The Breakfast Club. 16 Candles, 84, then Breakfast Club, 85, right. Red Science, Ferris Bueller's 86, I don't yeah. see. Printing Pink, not till 86. Okay. Yeah. So I read it. Uh, in, in that same interview with Anthony Michael Hall, he, um, he, uh, he met, he, wait, was it him or was it a different one? I don't remember. I, I, I watched a couple of interviews, uh, with some of these actors and they were, ta- uh, someone was talking about how the year after, um, <laughs> this movie came out, uh, the breakfast club, St. Elmo's fire came out with half the same oh. cast, all playing college graduates, <laughs> 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 which is funny. Cause it was just a year later. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one has some flaws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, so I, you know, and I, most people already know that this group of actors, these young actors in the 80s were called the Brat Pack, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they were like a theater troupe making films, sort of. And anyway, I saw another podcast interview type video thing with, um, uh, what's his name? Weekend at Bernie's. Um, uh, yeah, Rich, uh, Andrew, what the hell? <laughs> wow, that's weird. I'm just drawing Andrew a Andrew Stanton? No, 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 no. It's, uh, it's uh, McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy. McCarthy. Anyway, and this was just from like a year or two ago. 
And uh, the host asked him, like, so, you know, what was it like, this whole Brat Pack thing? Like, was it cool? Whatever, you know, it was. And he, he's like, we hated it at the time because I didn't know this until I saw this. Brat Pack was a term coined by a New York Times uh, writer who was criticizing them. He was basically saying the movies are all the same. They're all terrible. And none of the actors are very good. They're like a Brat Pack is what he called them <laughs> to basically shit on them. So he's like, at the time, it hurt. He's like, we didn't like it. We we're pissed. It was annoying. We're like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's like it. But then after that, of course, it became this thing. And now everyone looks on it with sort of reverence and love and, and nostalgia. And he said, it's great. It's great to be a part of that. But at the time, he's like, it was kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> he's like, it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if he, what what his um, thoughts were on, on like did he give? Did he feel like he gave them their break, and that was part of why he felt I so mean, hurt? I mean, I guess. I mean, he did. He for Anthony Michael Hall, it's one hundred percent true. Like um, John Hughes wrote National Lampoon's Vacation, and that was Anthony Michael Hall's first film. You know, he auditioned for it, he read for it, he got, it. and that was the beginning of his relationship with John Hughes. Not only Ringwald, I'm not. I actually don't know. I'm not sure what her sort of earliest roles were or are or is right. Um, <clears throat> right. And he, and Anthony Michael Hall doesn't survive for any of the sequels. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> continue in any of the, right. Well, there, no, I don't think any one actor plays rusty more than once. No, or Audrey. I think they're both. Yeah. Recycled every it's kind of weird. So, Oh, so Molly Ringwald is in different strokes and the facts of life. Oh, Right. Yeah, uh, but 16 Candles was her first big role. Before yeah. that, she was in some other small things. She was in Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, which I remember. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then one six... of three people who saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. But it's anyway. also interesting because it's really three movies. Yeah. It's 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, and Pretty in Pink. Yes. Like that is, it seems like it should be more. <laughs> it does. Know? Well, for those three, for the three of them, right? And he, not even because Anthony Michael Hall isn't in Pretty in Pink, right? And Sixteen Candles has a lot of people. John yeah. Cusack very briefly. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a, honestly, I have a hard time picturing um, Anthony Michael Hall as Ferris Bueller. Yeah. I like Anthony Michael Hall. I thought he was great in all of these movies, you know, Weird Science, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, for some reason, I just don't picture, I can't, I have a hard time picturing, mean, maybe just because Matthew Broderick was just so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Michael Hall, I will always picture with braces, you know, just. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when he stumbles on physics club, you know, it's just like, it's really <laughs> yeah. endearing. And it's, <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's, but that's I, one of, that's one of, you just remind me, that's one of my favorite parts <laughs> is when, when Bender pauses, he goes, excuse me, what are you babbling about? <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, the way he says it just, just kills me. It just, I, just, I laughed out loud again watching it. Uh, I like when, uh, Amelia last of us is trying to stick up for me. He's like, he's got a name. And he goes, what's your name? He's like, right. he goes, Brian. He goes, see, <laughs> See? Check and mate. <laughs> yeah. That was great. 
Yeah, I, I just always wondered if if Anthony Michael Hall, want. I mean, I know he like did some football roles, like you know, sure. bad Johnny Johnny Be Good, and he was mm-hmm. in uh, Edward Scissorhands and stuff, and he, mm-hmm. he beefed up, and he you know like he's in a, he's also in a little known sort of pseudo action movie called Out of Bounds. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Where he plays like a farm kid who goes to the big city and gets, you know, embroiled in some sort of fucking horse shit. I don't, I don't really remember it. <laughs> right. So he so he may have just been like, okay, I'm not a kid anymore. I don't want these kid roles. I right, want the braces right. on. You know, I sure. don't want to be the dork. Yeah, I didn't want to be the dork. But I, but I would, I would argue that in 16 Candles in particular, he's the coolest one in the movie. I mean, not cool as in like, <laughs> well, you he's know, the some, most somebody grounded. you want to emulate, but he's, he's really, he's really funny. He's really watchable as an actor. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. And he, and he like trades on his geekdom, you yeah. know, he's the king of the geeks, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I understand why you don't, you want to keep playing those roles, but also like, you know, what's, what is your wheelhouse? Mm-hmm. But hey, it's he was 16 years old and killing it, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a big star. Well, so um, when you picked this movie, <laughs> I had asked the question, you know, is this is this a movie, you know, one of the first movies that defines Generation X? Mm. Um, and I, I think it is. At least, I don't think you can say it's the first, but I think it can. You can certainly say it. It's early. It's there. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I think Fast Times at Ridgemont High is probably that's what I would sort of that's where I would peg it. A couple years earlier. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah. definitely in the. I mean, if you're gonna pick '80s movies that contributed to it, then yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, fast I think times. That, um, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I well, so you know, having that in mind, and then and then watching it twice, you know, I was trying to look at the things that kind of ring true for the generation, and the things that that um, that don't, you know, probably probably that that don't relate to later generations as much. Um, like Andrew's, you know, quote, he's like, well, everyone's home lives are unsatisfying. If it wasn't, people want to live there with their parents forever. And I was like, well, boy, we've come around on that because there's a lot of people <laughs> who have parents who are their friends and and they are fine staying there decades in some cases after, yeah. after we would have ever imagined to do that. Um, yeah, this would have been a good know, one for uh, a guest that was of that age or a younger age to, to see if they found it like amazing how disconnected they are from how horrible their parents are, or you know, <laughs> yeah. Whereas we're like, yeah, okay, guy puts a cigarette out on his son, that's okay, or yeah. a cigar, I should say. I mean, we don't accept that as oh, that's fine. It's obviously a big part <laughs> of the story, and um. But yeah, the whole idea of the disconnect, um, when she says, you know, when when you grow when you grow up, your heart dies, or what does she say? When you're yeah, when you yeah. grow up, yeah, when you grow up, your heart dies. 
And that's something that and, I think is relatable to a lot of ages. But also, yeah. I think it was very. It also seemed to be a, a sort of like the sort of the anthem of Gen X movies. Yeah, a that's little like bit. The, the you know, version. yeah. That's that's the wider side, <laughs> I guess. Is that what you mean, or what? No, I just mean mean? like the the, the concept is sort of like very much embraced in Gen X movies that, you know, uh, you know, sort of the concept of growing up and selling out and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The (laughs) one of the cut scenes is that she actually uh, they go into a teacher's room or into a room and go in through the teacher's desk and she finds some things that that prove her wrong Hmm. and. You know, she's supposed to have a moment where she realizes that you can be an adult and still, and still have heart. And the original movie was was over two hours long, mm. um, you know, they, so they cut out a lot of things. Yeah, there was a, um, there were a bunch of re- scenes that were released on a special DVD collection a while ago. Um, it was not there's not an official, you know, director's cut that has them all, but there's a number of scenes that that um, referred to. I don't know. I was reading a couple of different articles about the movie. Yeah, I, I think that if you're gonna watch this movie, first it's it's readily available on Netflix at the time of this recording. Um, highly recommend that because yeah, one of those cut scenes is thrown back in, in like the TV version and one of the TV versions. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that, and thinking that line's dumb. What's that doing there? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend you watch the the full R movie with all the f bombs and yeah, you know, just just get into it if you can, if you're so inclined. Because I mean, it, it lacks something if you're like, oh, you do, you know, if you yeah. cut all that stuff. There are some things I had sort of forgotten about that are problematic, in terms of like the way Bender treats Molly Ringwald's character. Sure. Yeah, some of it's a little creepy and pretty damn gross. Like when he yeah. sticks his face between her legs and shit like that. Like, yeesh, you know. Yeah, we didn't need that shot. I wonder if he if he um, thought twice about that. Like, should I actually show what he's looking at? I mean, that's yeah. even for a, a split second. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, it's creepy. Yeah. Some, I guess some, you could some minor homophobia here and there. Some homophobia, sure. Yeah. yeah. I think part of it, if someone, you know, your, your, your observation that having a younger, younger person with for this review would have been interesting because the idea of, of, um, you know, the principal taking Bender into the private room and uh-huh. him on to have a fist fight with him. Right. I think was very real back then. And now today would s- seem, you know, totally foreign i think to to uh, yeah. today's youth right and what they're maybe missing is that if your parents don't care or are not involved in your school life you know aside from probably signing a few permission slips then they're they're not the parents that were going to be like calling for his job and you know involved in that in in a modern yeah ish way or or a rational way to put it that that way like it's just it's nuts that he would actually try to egg him on and get him to fight when he's just you know he's just been 
telling everyone like how horrible his home life is, his dad especially, and fight, you know, physically being intimidated by him, and then to have that happen, it's just the look on his face is is almost it was almost su- too subtle. It's like you, you know, I would like to see a little brush of abject fear in his eyes. I mean, it was. I mean, his eyes were huge, and he just didn't say anything. He couldn't he couldn't move. So I guess it's fine, but it's just just insane is that you would do that or go in the private files in the basement, you know, like just for kicks or, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be, he's probably the most stock character. I think when you were saying about adults in general or the, the deleted scenes and how teachers are and blah, blah, blah. I was thinking about the Carl character because he fills some of that role. Yeah. You know, Carl's the guy that, that um, gives it to you straight and, <laughs> You know, he's he's funny as well. Yeah, I was just thinking about when he ends his 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 short sort of monologue, his little soliloquy about you know, I may be some untouchable peon, but I know I learned a few things from you know dipshits like you were on. And then at the end of it all, he goes, "By the way, that clock's twenty minutes fast." <laughs> kills me. It's so funny. You bastards! And they're all like, they're like, oh. And Bender just smiles. Yeah, he gets it. <laughs> yeah, that he, was um, supposed to be Rick Moranis. Yeah. Which, ugh, I don't, that's too funny. <laughs> I mean, not, no, I love Rick Grimanis, but he's, he's way too funny for that role. Yeah, I feel like it needed someone to really play it straight. Just the way the guy, oh, I forgot his name, does it. He's perfect. Oh, yeah. What is, what? Sam, I cut you off. Were you going to say something? Uh, Kapalos, is that his name? Yeah, um, He is a double up, and he was the mechanic and thief. Um, he actually had another... Uh, he that part of that was cut. So in the the non-existent extended version, he actually predicts what each one of them is going to be when they grow up. You know where they're going to be when they're thirty-five, and mm-hmm. you know, and he's going to be like, you know, he tells Molly Ringwald, you know, you're going to be a poet. Who cares? You know, and <laughs> I don't remember the others, which sucks to not have the whole punchline, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, reading all this stuff, I was like, "Oh, I want to see this other version just to see it." You know, um, <laughs> you know, you know. I, I think that what they did cut it down to was pretty masterful. So it's yeah, it, it's a double-edged sword because sometimes you're like, "Oh, well, of course they cut they cut it down by a half hour because this half hour they cut out sucked." <laughs> you know, yeah. That's like uh, hearkening back to uh, a movie we reviewed already, uh, Blood Simple. Um, the Coen brothers put out a director's cut some years later that was actually shorter than the theatrical version. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty rare. Yeah, they were like, oh man, all these extra scenes. Don't need that, yeah. don't need that. They, so someone asked him about it and, he, and they were quoted as saying, um, about, about the director's cut, they, they, they said uh, once, what was once glacial was now merely slow. <laughs> yeah anyway oh yeah Carl predicts that, that Bender's gonna have killed himself um, <laughs> yeah. that Brian will become a successful but die of a heart attack uh, due to his high paying job so Allison will be the poet but no one will care that's it Claire will have a, a boob job and a facelift <laughs> but not but not get fat yeah you didn't say that hmm <laughs> Good Claire. Claire. <laughs> the way he says that. I, I, I can't meet anyone named Claire and not have that line <laughs> pop in my head. It's just the, the way he says Claire. Thing. 
Claire? <laughs> <laughs> She's got the only kind of clunky last name. Claire Standish. Yeah. I'm like, uh? Eh? I so <laughs> I watched this movie with my wife and uh while we we're watching it she's like she turned to me and she said so did you get like half your vocabulary from this movie <laughs> <laughs> and it was after he said that's what I thought you you're a gutless turd that's when she <laughs> turned to me and said that because I say that all the time what a gutless turd Heard. I thought I thought you used wasteoid or something. No, there's another one. I forgot what the other one was. And I like the little eat my shorts there. I was like, oh, that predates yeah. Bart Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> what are you babbling about? Is one I, I, I am fond of as well. There's one other one. Oh, when he says when when he when uh, Vernon says I'm gonna knock your dick in the dirt. Yeah, I've thought of that one many times. <laughs> to who? I don't know. In any sort of competition, whether it's a board game, doesn't matter. Whoever I'm facing, I'm gonna knock your dick in the dirt. Whether or not they have said equipment, yeah, doesn't matter. It's a proper metaphor. Good. Yeah, right. be, be universal about it. That's good. I have not read it anywhere, but to me, seeing. Uh, Seen Ali Sheedy's hand go up in the air and catch the can of Coke is totally the lightsaber <laughs> moment <laughs> from uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good sight gag. My other favorite is Bender's knife. He jams it in and then she... Oh, I love it. And she steals it. Camera. <laughs> As he's still going. I like, love it. The scene is still playing yeah. out. Yeah, that's great. She's like halfway <laughs> off screen. It's so perfect. <laughs> Uh, um, John Hughes had told her, you know, he he picked Ali Sheedy because she had previously um, pre- previously uh, uh, auditioned for a different movie. I can't remember which one. Yeah. And when she'd come in, she had black eyes from an accident that had happened on a different set. And so he she didn't get the part, but he remembered her as having this kind of gothic look. So when it came time to make this movie, he had called her up. Um, <laughs> And then so, you know, as they were getting ready to film, he told her, you know, you know, go to bed tonight and tomorrow I'll wake up as Allison. And, uh, you know, Sheedy's response was, I don't have to wake up as Allison. I am Allison. It's <laughs> like, perfect. That's one of my complaints of the movie is I think they overdid her at the end. The, uh, the makeup and the outfit yeah. change and all that. I thought it yeah. was too much. Yeah, I, uh, I don't disagree. It's, it's look, it's clunky, but... It's quick, and I would say that a lot of teen movies make that into an entire movie, you know? Sure, yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, She's yeah. All That or something like that. Yeah. Right. No, it's been done a hundred times, but, but they didn't need to do it like that. I, yeah. I thought it was... Yeah. I thought, I, I thought the other ending, too, with Molly Ringwald and Judd Nelson, I thought was a little overdone, too. Mm-hmm. So. They're seen in the closet? Or do yeah. you mean the, the, very, the very end? Okay. Yeah, the closet's a bit much because, you know, I, I don't know. Well, supposedly, actually, some of the scenes that were cut establish how they might actually start to like each other hmm. uh, more to build up to that. Yeah. But, yeah, they're of of the uh, little romances or or relationships that are blossoming. Theirs seems to come out of nowhere more than the others. Yeah. The uh, it says something about the posters said they were 
a brain, a beauty, a jock, a rebel, and a, and a recluse. And I'm glad they fi- they, you know, fixed that a little bit. I think I think it ends up being a brain, uh, you know, pro- a prom queen or queen or princess. <laughs> Somebody help mm-hmm. me. Out. Brain princess, a jock, Some, I guess. Yeah, say a jock? criminal, a basket criminal case, and basket case. Yeah, those are better descriptions for me. Yeah. And especially, especially rebel, because there's a lot of rebelling going on across the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, one of the, one of the things I I learned when I was watching the Anthony Michael Hall interview podcast video thing is that he produced a sort of spiritual remake last year. Huh? It wasn't like it, he said it wasn't. A, he's like it's not a reboot. You know, it's just like. It's a movie that's sort of inspired by The Breakfast Club that someone else wrote and directed, but Anthony Michael is the producer, and he has he basically plays like the teacher role, the Gleason role, sort of. Okay. It's called The Class, and I, I watched the trailer, and it just it looks fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, just terrible. You know, I, I, I don't... It, it, I was thinking about it. Like, I watched a tr- trailer for this sh- movie called The Class, and it just looks so. It just looks so standard. It just looks like every other high school movie ever made. And it's like you watch a trailer for The Breakfast Club. It doesn't look like any other high school movie ever made. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why. Maybe because they're so isolated. Yeah, it's you know, a sparse. Set. You know, it's just like, it's like a th- theatrical production, basically. You know. Um, but I don't know. I, I you know I'll never watch it, and most any nobody probably ever will. But just thought it was odd. <laughs> did uh, how much did he have to do with with that? I mean, what was his role in the producer? He or was just, producer, just producer. Okay, yeah, was producer. Really... And he was like, I guess, a star. Okay, and, you know, it's different. It wasn't. It doesn't look like it's like. Uh, it just looks like it's sort of insp- lifting, sort of a very basic premise and making more of a standard high school sh- sh- movie, you know, that takes place yeah. over the course of several days rather than just like one Saturday afternoon or whatever. Right. I don't know. It just looked like fucking trash, you know, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall it just looked terrible. Sorry. We've already, we've already praised him a bit. So He's yeah. Good. Um, I yeah the the music I don't know what the music was like in that reboot but that's one of the problems with re redoing this stuff is that you can't really improve on the music I mean sure it's a little dated but that's the whole you know so it's Keith Forsey is a musician and, and producer and and he I you know I don't know what you guys thought but I think that the small like little backdrop of music in between like the big songs obviously mm-hmm. is really effective i don't know if it's mm-hmm. sound design or or just the way he the way he blended it in but like you know bender climbing in the ceiling to <laughs> that little music yeah the mm-hmm. is perfect That's, and he yeah. is so good he used that on the way back when he climbs back in <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah just like you know some some synth bop it's just just well done yeah i agree and then the simple mind song is so fucking perfect really is it it's, is it's such a good song you know just it's great yeah i, I loved reading about it that the um you know 
Billy Idol turned it down. Um, he did about 20 years ago uh, come out with the Greatest Hits album, which he did a cover of it. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I, I haven't found it yet to listen to it. Um, but yeah, he did. He did do it. The the Pretenders turned it down too. Um, and the writer for this song, you know, had didn't have all the lyrics done, so he, all the <laughs> la la las at the end mm-hmm. were were just placeholders and he was going to replace it with lyrics but then the band started you know recording it and and playing around with it and they decided that they just liked it hmm. and suck it hmm. um which is almost i think pretty much the same exact story for the breakup song by greg Keane, the you know the na 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 song um from the 1980s uh from oh. right like 1981 um i think it is you know what song i'm talking about sean I think so. Is that the one that they play at White Sox games? That the goodbye. Uh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no it's the. That's more seventies. Um, oh, come on. Uh, he he also did the um, the I'm lost in Jeopardy that that Weird Al uh, cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who is that? Okay, wait one second here. <laughs> We're gonna play it Standing for by. you. Oh. You remember that? Oh. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Why do I want to say Blue Oyster Cult? That's not. That was... Yeah, I guess it's buzz, not nuts. Yeah. It's anyway. Bah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was the same thing. He he filled in, filled in all the buzz to uh, come up with the next line and never did. Right. So. Sweaty. Yeah, kind of like the. Um, What's the really long Beatles song that they they were trying to break a record? Maybe from the Beach Boys, I don't know. Uh talking about Hey Jude with all the Hey nuns? Jude. Yeah, Hey Jude, yes. Hey Jude, Hey Jude. They just kept um, going. Yeah, the one song I think when they were uh uh when was it when they got high? It was kind of like this ridiculous mm-hmm. 80s cheesy guitar rock that was that was the only one that i stood out and i was like oh that's a little a little too much a little too much for for the you know for the time it was fine but yeah just going back i was like oh yeah kind of like I, that very long dancing claymation hamburger in the john cusick oh, movie <laughs> better off oh. yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> like well he made this whole thing i can't just skip it we gotta put it in there <laughs> you know what's crazy is we were talking about anthony michael hall did you see that um he turned down to be uh a private joker in full metal jacket oh yeah i did read about Whoa. that like talk about crazy yeah and especially because he could have changed his yeah, you know, it would have been a nice step in his career in that path sure. of 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 moving out of the high school element. Yeah, yeah, right. Because Matthew Modine had done Vision Quest, and he was, which is kind of a turd, but he was also being cast in those high school roles. And then he was like, "Okay, I'm going to do Stanley Kubrick." Yeah, people will remember that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick said he watched the movie four times and he just really liked Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. <laughs> offered offered him this thing. That's cool. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. 
Let's see. All right. Have we covered the basics? You can watch this with, you know, if you're not worried about F-bombs. Or if you, you know, Nobody's kids. worried about F-bombs. No anymore. one's worried. No one cares about F-bombs. But there's no violence except, except for, you know, a little skirmish and a knife. And um, I think these days the, the, the flare gun is a little problematic because... Not because it's a flare gun, but because they're downplaying the whole scene. Like the scene, the, the air like comes back into the room when he's like, "Yeah, it's a flare gun," you know. And mm-hmm. They laugh at him, and it's like, "Okay, well, it's no big deal then." But what he's talking about is quite real, and obviously, we we are very worried about weapons and and you, mental you, health and shit. Like yeah, that. you actually just yeah. reminded me. Like in terms of performances, like I feel like Anthony Michael Hall. That scene with Anthony Michael Hall is maybe a weak is a weak point. He cries too quickly. He yeah, covers his face too yeah. when he's talking, which I yeah. just I didn't like. Like it's yeah. like he didn't know how to act in crying, so he puts yeah. his elbow up over his face. Um, yeah, I felt like that sort of took me out of it a bit, which is too uh, bad. But that, also, that, that area was that was unscripted. That when they, he was supposed to explain why he was supposed to be there, he was supposed yeah. to ad lib it. Huh. So it was not scripted. So it's kind of maybe he needed the script for yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, because he goes from the elephant trunk in the, in shop class then to mm-hmm. the real consequence, which is the the gun. And and the, you know, you can say it's a flaw that they don't go into this, especially since how times have changed. But it's also, I think, really real in that when you, you know, a lot of people, whether they're teenagers or, or a lot older don't know how to how to talk about these things and yeah. so you know when there is a way out like oh well, it doesn't really count like it was a flare gun and it's like that easy way out of a really difficult conversation right you know so it, and, yeah. i didn't you know think that was was necessarily a flaw um yeah you could argue that since you know like allison was the, the basket case that she was in the in the social worker's office or the psychiatrist, whatever, whatever it was, a uh, therapist. And, and Brian was overlooked because he's the good student because he's the, the kid no one worries about. Right. I still think that's very relevant. You know, like that's, yeah. You know, we, we focus on, you know, give Dick some respect because he's, you know, <laughs> he's worried about Bender and the problem kids most, uh, you know, most of all, of course. And then, you know, it's a sliding scale. It's like, well, you know, Brian would say something and he'd just like, watch it. But he still thought of him as the good kid, you know, the, and the one he doesn't have to worry about. And that's exactly what you don't want in these situations is slipping through the cracks. Anyway. All right. For those of you who are dying to know where it is, it's the Criterion Collection from 2018 has the 50 minutes of deleted scenes. Ooh. Really? Yes. Interesting. Hmm. Wow. It's worth a look. Um, I didn't realize that John Hughes wrote Mr. Mom. Yeah, that one always surprises always, me, too. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of that movie. I always found it very funny and charming. I didn't also, when I was reading, you know, when we were sort of boning up for this episode, I didn't realize that she's having a baby is basically John Hughes, like, sort of an autobiographical take on his life. Oh, really? From when he was a, he was like a copywriter, an ad agency in Chicago before um movies that's a uh, kevin bacon and mm-hmm. someone and what's her name and what's her name 
Elizabeth yeah. McGovern. Thank you. I don't remember, you know, wanting to watch that again. I've seen it once. Yeah, me too. Saw it once. Don't remember anything about it. Don't remember what I even thought of it. I don't know. What's your favorite John Hughes movie? Writing or directing? Hmm. Wait, what What order? Writing, Writing or, or direct. directing. John, your favorite oh, John Hughes. Okay. Tricky. I would say probably either Breakfast Club, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, or Home Alone. Or, I don't know, maybe Furious Brothers <laughs> Day Off is up there, too. It's tough. It's super tough. Yeah. You even mentioned Weird Science, which I know for a lot of people isn't. <laughs> yeah, that's when he was really into the Teenage Boy stuff. It was just like, let's, let's I, have a, a lot of fun with this. It's going to be stupid. And everyone's going to laugh. Yeah. And we'll have well, Bill Paxton. It'll be great. Well, you know, the Breakfast Club, he's, he said he had a really hard time convincing the executives to do it because it didn't have, they complained it didn't have all the stuff yeah. Teenage Boys like. Right. Huh. And it's almost didn't like have, he's like... Didn't for, have like boobs and drugs and bullshit. Right. Yeah. And they're yeah, like, why would we alcohol, why, why even make that. this? Yeah. So in Weird Science, he's like, okay, might as well give them what they want. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, all right, let's go. Sam, is that your t- in your top three then, Weird Science? Uh, I mean, I have top- to... <laughs> I mean, you didn't mention Uncle Buck either, which... <laughs> I mean, Uncle Buck's great. I think it's... it's. I don't know. Maybe I need to watch it again. But Uncle Buck is one of those ones that... I, I'm a big John Candy fan. I just... You know, just the whole way it... So much of it works. And I really like how the ending is um, for that movie. But Home Alone also, like, laughs so hard I'm crying at the movie theater. Yeah. That's. I mean, how many times in your life does that happen? You know? Yeah. And... And Ferris Bueller's iconic, but I don't think I would put it as as one of my top two. It's really tough. It is tough. But it's it's mm-hmm. impressive to be to have made so many good things. Yeah. You know? Like most people would be happy with like the great outdoors in Dutch as a career. <laughs> you know? Dutch is pretty good. Some no, that's what I'm really saying. Like I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying like like his mediocre stuff yeah. given his catalog is better right. than most people's best try yeah you yeah know? that's a great, that's true if if pressed i would say played straight and automobiles for me because really it's so rewatch i watch it annually during the holidays <laughs> yeah <laughs> unabashedly i want i watch christmas vacation annually i fucking love that movie <laughs> i think it's so uncle eddie <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Shitter's full. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that movie is classic. And Mr. Hughes is no longer with us, so we don't have to worry about killing him, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but condolences <laughs> to his family, of course. Which is nice. <laughs> right. I said it like that. <laughs> Sorry. Jerko. Like 2009 or something. Yeah, so. yeah he wasn't very old. It's no. 59. 59. Jeez. Yeah, what, um, uh, what, what killed him? Heart attack. Wow. Oh, yeah. So walking in Manhattan had a heart attack. That's crazy. No. Huh. Yeah. So that. All right. Well, on that uplifting way. note. <laughs> what do we do next? Oh, we we didn't mention the uh, the budget and the 
how much money it made. Oh, very quickly. Thank you. Please mention it. Well, it's like a one million dollar budget and started at fifty. I don't know if that includes rentals and stuff, but yeah, fifty million dollars on a one million budget. That's it's pretty good. Hollywood eats that up. So I think that you know we've we've talked about Clerks and some other movies that were that were low budget, you know, movies. This you know obviously they spent the money to get really good actors mm-hmm. is what, on this, but. Um, it's pretty much all takes place in one room with a couple little side shots and the, mm-hmm. you know, the on a the set school. they built for the movie. Yeah. Like the, so you can see why the production costs are low, mm-hmm. but you realize that, you know, like reservoir dogs, it's all the dialogue and the way they interact in. There's so few movies that, that pull that off, you yeah. know, like we're going to just stick you in one little room or in this case, a big room uh, with a Henry Moore statue in it, which probably doesn't exist in any high school. But anyway, uh, the, you know, they, they make it happen. Because um, I was watching this, it's like, oh, you know, there's, this is a massive success and it, and it seems like a big production, but it's really, you know, right. small. You know, it's, it's like a lot of, like... Like someone else could have made this movie as their first movie, you know, with yeah. their friends on their own, you know, especially now, like the equipment that you have at your house yeah, to make a sure. movie. It would not be hard to make this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think John Hughes assumed it was going to be his first mu- movie. And it just happened that he did some other stuff first. Because he's, you know, I'm sure he knew that on paper this is a this is great you know mm-hmm. stage production easy to um, you know well right? my unsaid point and all that is if you're oh. thinking about making your own movie <laughs> this would be one to watch oh yeah, you don't need to true. do anything like you don't like i don't know i mean I guess that's the art of it is being able to write this well you know well sure yeah so now can we know what yeah. we're going to do? Yeah, What's you can know. All right. Because we're going we're gonna to do a movie with <laughs> one of the people that we were just talking about who almost got a role in this movie. Okay. To John Cusack? Nick yes, Cage? it John is. Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> is it right. One Crazy Summer? No, that's a really great guess, though, because I like that movie a lot. <laughs> But I was going to go later in his career. Okay. okay. Did we already do Gross Point Blank? We sure did. Yep, we did. Guess it won't be that. <laughs> I was going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so Make sure fun. to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shoot, what is it? what is on his later catalog? I mean, it's there's no way you're picking Caught Air. His latest movie that I can possibly pick in his catalog, given our time constraints. Hmm. 99. Interesting. Uh, do we know Is if it... it's romantic? Do we know? <laughs> do I, we... I mean, I wouldn't I mean... call it a romance. Okay. But... All right. Is, is it... What's the... What's the ice one? The ice harvest? Oh, yeah. The ice storm? No. Nope. Not the ice storm. 
Uh, All right, you want me to give it away? Well, you can it's... give us another hint. All right, it's got Cameron Diaz in it. Gives you uh, the time frame. Cameron Diaz? What is she Oh, in? is it... Wait, what's the music one? Wait, is she in that? No, she's not in High Fidelity. No. Sean would pick that movie, though. Yeah, totally. What the hell? I don't. I can't think of a movie. That's okay, it's, it's the only Charlie Kaufman movie we can do. Oh, oh bullets over Broadway? No, no. no. It's Being John Malkovich. Malkovich. Yes, Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> Should have got that one earlier. Yeah, I forgot about that movie. Diaz is not blonde hair, so it throws you off. Yeah, <laughs> that's my excuse. It's yeah. a good one. That's good. It's a good excuse. Yeah, I've wanted to watch it movie. for a while now, and I really wish I, I could pick Adaptation, because I love that movie, but it's yeah. a couple of years too late. Yeah. But anyway, yes. Cool. Okay. I don't think I've seen Bean John Malkovich since I saw it in the theater. I have not, I don't think. Ooh. Uh, let's see. It is... But oh. I've watched Eternal Sunshine with Spotless Mind a number of times, and Adaptation maybe like twice. And this mm-hmm. one, I don't think I ever watched again. Hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I wouldn't say. It, well, I guess we'll we'll dis, we'll determine how rewatchable it is next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for trying to spoil it. Yes, we'll, we'll decide. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's a that's. That's been our best review yet. Top of the list. Has it? Yeah. Did it make the grade? Not Watch the movie even twice. close, bud. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course it is. Course it's by it far is. our best review. Yeah. Sam watched close. it twice. I mean, Jesus. If that doesn't get everyone out there to listen to watch it once, I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Also, you should have already seen it by now. Everybody out there listening. <laughs> yeah. Shame on you. It's a goddamn classic. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Shame and anecdotes. <laughs> That's right. All, All right. right. That's enough. Move off. I'm out. Thank you right. for listening to The Breakfast Club. Yeah. We'll see you next time for uh, being John Malkovich. Holy barfing. <laughs>